and welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is Jim Marty reporting from Longmont, Colorado. And I've got my partner, Larry Mishkin, up in Chicago. Jim, nice to hear your voice. How you doing? We're, uh, we're all hanging out here in Illinois, uh, week five of shelter at home with a, some weather that you know makes it nice and warm every morning, 60 degrees. And by the afternoon, we're getting all this rain and it gets really chilly. So uh, it'll be nice when we can step back outside. How's everything going in Colorado? Oh, very good. Uh, we're starting to open up here. Um, some of the stores are opening up. I, I believe I'll be able to get a haircut on Friday, so we'll see. Nice. But um, think they're starting to back off the shutdown. We are very lucky today to have a guest, Seth Warby from Cannabis Creative in Massachusetts. Seth, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome to the show. So, Seth, we appreciate you taking the time to come on our show today. Tell us a little bit, if you can, about your uh, company. I know that you're involved in cannabis marketing. Tell us exactly how you got into it and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it's a long, long story to get to uh, the end of the road here where we are. But uh, I own a business in Boston here called Champ Internet. It's been around 11 years, and we, we do full-service marketing outside of the cannabis space. And, uh, you know, and work with a plethora of businesses from retail to uh, a lot of the restaurants that you go to outside of the Boston Garden, if you ever went to a Celtics or a Bruins game or even one, one of the bigger ones right outside of Gillette Stadium there where the Pats play. So we do a lot of work in that space from everything from, you know, packaging to online marketing to uh, websites as well as, you know, SEO and social and just the full service runs the gamut of uh, things to bring people into businesses and help them in essence make money. When people ask what we do, it's, you know, the short answer is help people make money. Um, and then a couple of years, a couple of years ago, uh, Cannabis Creative was born. We had a few clients in the space and realized quick that it was a niche that uh, we could get into and enjoyed. I had a bunch of employees that went to school like myself in Burlington, Vermont, and some from the Amherst, UMass area, uh, you know, or had gone to UMass in the Amherst area. Both those cities lend themselves to be very cannabis friendly. Um, so my staff quickly gravitated to those projects and Cannabis Creative was born with my partner, Josephine Noitz, who was one of my employees at the time, now my business partner. Uh, we're one of the leading web slash uh, online marketing agencies uh, for the cannabis space across the country, which is super exciting. Wow. This, this is a question I get asked all the time by my clients, and I'm, and I'm hoping you can help us. Marketing cannabis, what are the restrictions that you face? And how is it different from your mark, you know, from marketing more traditional products and services? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I mean, it lines up exactly with our background and, and my background. I, I've worked, you know, started with large brands like Pfizer and P&G and A&E TV, and then have worked for the last decade with smaller to mid-sized brands, uh, you know, well-known and uh, established enough to be able to a professional but also not your, you know, Johnson and Johnson or whatever it might be. 
Um, with that in mind, you know, there are always going to be different restrictions in different industries, whether it be compliance and financial services or whether it be, you know, how you gather information on a travel website or and so on. So knowing the regulations and rules in each industry is important. In cannabis itself, they're in each state, let alone nationally, there are different regulations. And then when you get into CBD, and we do a lot of work in both spaces, both cannabis and CBD, uh, along with the auxiliary businesses as well. We do a lot of work with auxiliary businesses like ourselves to people that are supporting this industry as a whole. So it's not just dispensaries, although that is our you know, bread and butter as we do more just like restaurants in the outside space. And with that, you learn, you learn the different softwares, the different regulations, and the different players in the space. And within each state we work, we require our team to study up and work with our, you know, with our guidance. And we do have the, the benefit of a gentleman who donates his time, who had 40, 50 years experience as an attorney who reviews the regulations with us and make sure our team is abreast. Now, obviously it's on each organization make their own decisions. However, we're, we're never gonna recommend something that, you know, isn't above the board for, for your team to do. And furthermore, to finish that thought, there are definitely ways, not to say around the regulations, but if you read headlines closely, there are ways to market some of these products in this industry that a lot of people are timid or scared to do or have been shunned away from because of the way they set it up and they didn't look at these regulations. So it's really important to finish that thought in each state to really know your own regulations. Very interesting. And I would imagine that delivery services are becoming something that you're marketing to during this C-19 pandemic. Without a doubt. I mean, this this last month or so, we've seen a huge shift. We have clients in you know, Colorado, for example, one of the very first dispensaries in Denver works with us. And all the regulations are shifting there daily, if not, you know, weekly, daily, however you want to say it. On, on the, you know, they're a moving target and they're freeing up ability to do different things. And in each state, little by little, uh, governors are freeing up, you know, Colorado is more progressive in the sense that it's been around longer than here on the East Coast. I'm based out of Boston. However, you know, in each state, there are things changing and delivery is something we anticipate and I anticipate becoming the norm over the next three, five, 10 years. However, you are absolutely correct. We've seen an, a, a, a drastic acceleration of the need for it, both locally here on the East Coast, and admittedly, we're seeing it out you know, in, in, in the mountains as well as the West Coast as well. Sure. Nevada, I believe, has just opened up uh, delivery for the uh, licensed dispensaries. Yeah, that's not something, you know, again, in each state, it's changing so rapidly, not something that I, I was aware of, but it makes complete sense. And and they're reacting quickly with this virus because, you know, considered an essential business and they want to, you know, and also with people not to get too into it, I, I've listened to your past episodes, so I know you guys will, will have more knowledge than I will around the PPP and all the financial benefits and things that are out there. And in this industry, I know it's a challenge for a lot of people. So allowing them to continue to generate revenue beyond the initial boom. And I don't want to call early March, mid-March a boom, but admittedly, you know, got off the phone with many clients that kind of said, hey, and I'll quote one of them that literally said, hate that it came to this for us to get these types of numbers. But 
we're having record break days. So, you know, it's interesting that that's what it took. So, you know, everything, I think people have hunkered down, they've got their supply and now it's starting to normalize a little bit again. Right. Yes. So sales have been good for many of the Bridge West clients that we work with. However, I think when the numbers come in for April, they will be below 2019 because for several of our clients, uh, 420 was just absolute bust where they had anticipated, you know, basically the cannabis national holiday and they couldn't really participate. So I think we'll see the April sales come in below 2019. But uh, that's to be determined. Well, see, that's interesting, Jim, because out here, uh, you know, in Illinois, we're, we're still just a, uh, a work in progress. And, uh, you know, although we haven't gotten to home delivery yet, we do have curbside service, which for us feels like home delivery. Uh, it's such a you know major deviation away from what the rules originally were uh, were set up uh, and designed to do. We haven't seen our April numbers yet, but the, uh, the clients that I speak to all report being very, very busy you know, having a, a steady stream of customers coming in the door. It does help that they labeled it as a uh, an essential item, certainly. Um, but from our perspective in Illinois, we just couldn't be happier uh, because we think that this really bodes well. The, the, continued, uh, the continued sales numbers during this period of time uh, just really bodes well for what we're going to see once this pandemic is gone and once uh, everybody's free to come out and do their thing again. Um, and of course, we're sitting on the cusp of a big moment here, on May 1st, um, the, the Illinois Adult Youth Statute states that the, the Secretary of State's office is supposed to announce those groups that have been awarded adult use dispensary licenses. So we'll be uh, diving right into that. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a very exciting time for us. And I would suggest that for you, uh, that's just as big of a time, right? When uh, you get these new companies uh, and new industries that are just starting out, they all need marketing they have to establish a brand is that where you come in absolutely we we plug in to wherever they are in the process i can't tell you how many clients over the last few years literally helped go through naming contests where we're figuring out what is the name whether it be of the dispensary or of an adult use brand we're going through a lot of those right now <clears throat> we have a multi-state operator that operates in missouri florida massachusetts new hampshire you know kind of all over and they're getting their adult use kind of set up. And, you know, so it's one of those things where branding is a huge component and you want to stand out. You know, you can, you know, follow the model as you guys are in Colorado, one of you and one's in Illinois. You know, look at the footprint that Colorado and California put forward and the people that are succeeding. And you can see it. And not to say I do my competitive research or market research, which is going to these shops and. I'm an enthusiast, admittedly a user, and enjoy, you know, a medical card hold, holder and have been for years um, and just, you know, and, and like to see what's out there. But what's happening or has happened out West is that, you know, the differentiators, you have your cheap guys, you have your luxury brands, you have your, you know, your different experiences with technology, and you're going to start to get that on the East Coast and across the country, it's spreading. And unfortunately, the Midwest where you are in the Illinois and we have people in Oklahoma that we're starting to work with and, and so on. I say, I think they're the next wave. So it's almost like West Coast, East Coast, and then Midwest behind it. And they're all going to follow suit. But what happens and what's happening is that branding is, is definitely becoming more and more evident that it's going to drive, you know, return customers, the experience, how clean, how 
well and synchronized everything is from the first experience to when they walk out the door to when they're on your website and to how they find you. And that's exactly what we do. We help customers, clients, if you will. Uh, and I call them partners because we're not really looking for somebody who just needs a website, but we're looking for somebody who wants help with all of this. How am I going to make more money? How I'm opening a dispenser or a business in this space. I'm a grow I'm this, I'm that I'm starting a, a brand. How, how am I going to sustain it? How am I going to drive traffic and in essence then convert it? And for everybody it's different. Is it getting people through the door? Is it getting other dispensaries to grab and wholesale their product? You know, it's whatever that goal is. And, and our motto at both Champ and Cannabis Creative and Cannabis Creative specifically as we move forward uh, in this industry has been the same. And that's start with the end in mind. So it's understanding what is their end goal? And then how do we get you there? How are people going to find you? Who is it looking for you? Who do you want looking for you? And then once they find you, what do you want them to do? What action is it you can they take that action? Asking those who, what, where, why, and how before they even start typically gets them successfully to an endpoint that they're really happy with. And we've helped businesses grow dramatically and exit 510x, if not further, in the traditional space. And in the last year or so, we've seen a few of our, our clients get acquired and, and the uh, owners being fantastically happy, if you will. That's great. Let me ask you this. How do people get a hold of you? Great question. Uh, you can no. um, you can find us uh, at CannabisCreative.com. Our website is the best way. Uh, so real simple, just go online. Obviously, you can give us a call. Shoot us an email at info at Cannabis Creative or fill out the form right there. Uh, we have Instagram. We're very active as we offer that for our clients. We do it for ourselves. And we're also at most of the trade shows. Unfortunately, with everything going on right now, uh, there aren't any events. So we're kind of on standstill like everybody else with our booth investments. And, and on the flip side, you know, we do between myself and Josephine, my co other uh, the co-founder in this business, uh, we do a lot of types of activities. We speak at uh, NECAN and NCIA events, and we're, we're readily available in the industry uh, and try to educate. We don't believe in marketing ourselves per se. We, we believe more in the fact that we know this industry and we know the marketing. Come here what we have to say, take a look at what we've done. And at the end of the day, if you like what you see, give us a call. And uh, because of where we're at, I'd say go to the website, in essence, cannabiscreative.com uh, for the time being, because there's going to be any trade show booths to, to come by and say hello at. So part of this show, we, we like to talk about music and rock and roll. So um, we understand that um, you are um, been with the fi on the fish bus for quite some time. Uh, you went to school up in Burlington. Um, so did you get ever to see him at Nectar's? So personally, I, I miss their, their private shows or late night shows at Nectar's. But I spent some time at Nectar's myself with, uh, with Grippo down in the basement and the year 2000s and had some friends that were heavily involved in the music scene. One of them's actually shifted over to the EDM scene. It works with Skrillex, I think is how you say it, and Zed and some of those guys. But he used to rap it and, and perform with those guys at uh, Nectar. So I've had some great times there, um, but never got to see them play. But I'll always recommend the, the poutine fries if you're there. They're legendary uh, after a night of, of dark beers, that's for sure. Any um anything you've heard about uh, Fish's summer tour? Uh, we just uh, 
recently finally got the announcement that Dead & Company have canceled their summer tour, and it looks like groups are dropping one by one. But the last time I checked, I had not seen any official word on Fish's summer tour. So same. I mean, I'm in the I'm in the Facebook group that has you know, I don't know x amount of followers, and it's pretty active, if you will. Um, me, I've been to 50 plus shows, and both my brothers are are UVM grads. They're older than me, so I followed them up to Vermont, kind of born right into it. My other, you know, my oldest brother's been to over 100 shows, and even with two little kids, still finds a way to sneak out every summer and gets to I don't think he's missed an MSG New Year's in years um brought me to Baker's Dozen and made me go you know in the summer over a couple of years back but uh for this summer tour um you know what I'm seeing on the Facebook group is I keep seeing hoaxes that it's been it's been canceled I'm assuming it's coming I mean they're already prepping on all the fan sites and the ticket sites how you get refunds and how to process if you sold through third parties and and all of that. So it's just a matter of time. I mean, this unfortunately is a time where everybody just needs to stay healthy and getting groups together like that just doesn't make sense. As a concert goer and a huge sports fan, I don't know if I'm going to miss the fact that we missed the Masters already or we're going to a Red Sox game as much as, you know, a fish show or catching, you know, the de- dead company in the summer at Fenway. But uh, my, I, I understand the reality. And as a, an employer, uh, want to make sure that you know don't put anybody in harm's way and and if getting in groups like that is you know concerts are obviously at the moment until there's a vaccine you know not not the greatest idea yeah maybe it kind of sucks being a grown-up sometimes right let's just go out and have some shows already for god's sakes i can only uh i can only watch those uh, uh fish dinner in a movie so many times before i really start jones and actually be out there in the audience myself i hear you i've been uh I've been kind of bombarded online with the the virtual music medleys and I can't decide if I hate them or love them. Some of them are really good where, you know, I saw a lean on a lean on me for, you know, Canada or whatever earlier. And it was you know, 30 of their great artists, you know, from their country put together and it was done really well. And I saw another one a, a week ago, but it's just like, come on, I just want to see like some, some real tunes here, not people blending together 30 different video shots to make it into a cool little collage. So, Anyway. Right. Well, you know, Trey just did that extensive interview in Rolling Stone. Uh, I found it really interesting. Um, and he was talking that today he's holed up in his apartment in New York City. And he does spend a lot of his time um, unwinding the upcoming tours. Uh, he was speaking specifically about the uh, tab Trey Anastasio band uh, is not going to do their tour. Um, I suspect he was also starting to unwind the fish summer tour um but it's a very interesting long article uh talks a lot about the new album how they recorded it quickly in the barn in vermont that is a so trey still has his barn and was interesting to me was i started listening to that album and realized oh wow i, I heard a bunch of these songs um you know in the last couple of years uh i have not missed i think all but one uh dick's Sporting arena shows in Commerce City, Colorado. That's a big event for us every year. And so I've seen a lot of fish shows there. I'm lucky enough to have seen fish shows at Red Rock, both uh, before they were uninvited and then after they came back in 2009. Um, One of my great memories is a fabulous character, Zero, where uh, Billy Kreutzman from the Dead sat in with uh, uh, Fishman on drums. So I've had a lot of great experience with fish. Seth, maybe you can um, share with us one or two of your favorite fish stories. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the gorge for me is is the spot. I mean, my experience going out to Washington and seeing them at the gorge about a decade ago was just was something else. When you walk around that bend and you take that turn for the first time, and you know you're at a campsite, it's about a half mile away or so, and you see a dirt path, and you're like, well, you don't even really see the venue. It's not like you know when I was at Coventry or Watkins Glen or where you kind of know where the stage is and where you're headed you just come around this turn and all of a sudden you go from this, you know, valley of a field where people are just camped out. And then there's this ravine, if you will, or gorge, I guess is why it's called the gorge. And it just drops 200 feet and the stage overlooks it. And it's typically around sunset when you first do that. It's just that setting is just something else. And, and it's, it's, you know, probably the best I've ever seen a show just setting wise. Um, For me, I would go back there any, Anytime for a show, you know, Red Rocks is definitely on my list. I was just out in Colorado. I'm a big, big rider and in the winter. So it was just out there and uh, and just went by there and, you know, was hoping to get there this summer. It's on my bucket list and just haven't had a chance. And then, you know, a good story. I personally haven't done dicks, but my brother last year was there and he was uh, close on the floor um, and he got knocked in the head by a buddy. You know, we're not the tallest, tallest guys. And, he was uh, knocked in the head by a buddy by his elbow and didn't notice it at the time. Ended up out of work for about a month once he got home. So he learned uh, you got to be you got to be careful down on the down on the general admission area if you're <laughs> if you're getting into it. So I mean, for a 40 plus year old guy to uh, come home with a concussion from a show, it's a tough one to tell HR. But uh, but he had to do it. So that's his dick's experience. But he's, he was planning on going back this year, so it's it's not going to stop him. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, the gorge is on my list. I've never been there. Um, actually, we were going to meet up with our grown sons. Our sons are 22 and 32, and we were all going to go to the gorge for the fish shows this summer. So now we're not. Uh, hopefully, they'll get those on for for a future year because it's uh you know, like I said, it's not just the music. The music there is great, but it's the setting itself. It's you get brought into a different place. You know, it's as many times as you see a show at a as at an amphitheater or at an inside, you know, hockey arena or even at a football stadium, you know, whatever it might be, just like Red Rocks, which I haven't personally seen, it's, you know, anybody who's been to it says it's part of the experience and, you know, you're just, you're, you're brought into a place that uh, music is meant to be played in a natural setting and it's just, it's phenomenal. You know, they, they always really, from my experience, at least the, the, when I was there, really jammed out, which made it made it even better well i'll tell you this i agree with you a lot of what you're saying and i think that certain settings uh you know definitely make a big difference uh you know just like you mentioned uh madison square garden for the for the fish new year's show and for the uh um for the baker's dozen a few years ago uh you know and the dad had all of their uh locations too and, and you know you mentioned red rocks i i agree you know seeing a show at red rocks uh, was, you know, the ultimate deadhead experience for me. So I'm at the Greek theater, uh, you know, all those places. And as much as I love seeing them outside and I do love seeing them outside and at those types of venues, there is something really special about a place like Madison square garden, you know, and I can't tell you why other than the fact that it's in New York and it's MSG. Um, but some of the best dead shows I ever saw were at Madison square garden. Um, you know, and if you get some of these nice little theaters where, you know, they like to play from time to time. In fact, a few years ago, on Fish's summer tour, they came through St. Louis, where I'm from, and they did a show at the Fox Theater there. And for me, that was amazing. The Dead used to play at the Fox Theater in St. Louis in the late 60s and early 70s, legendary four or five hour shows that they would play there. I wasn't old enough at the time, and by the time I was old enough, 
the dead stopped coming to St. Louis. And then one year they were going to do two shows at the Fox theater. We got all of our tickets. And then Jerry went into his diabetic coma, I guess it was 86 and they canceled all the shows. I still kept one of my tickets just to, to prove to it. But, you know, uh, for me, it's always a toss up between a beautiful outdoor setting and one of those really nice, you know, indoor little theaters where they could just get all fired up and crank it out. Oh yeah. I mean, at the end of the day with the, with the lighting shows today, it's, that's all part of it too. And, and then, you know, MSG, the one thing, my last thought on that, and then I'll turn it back to you guys, but you know, MSG, it, it, I had never been being a Boston guy, admittedly, you know, MSG is never a place I'd really want to enter unless, you know, maybe it was a playoff game. I wanted to go and support my squad, but Knicks haven't been good for the last 20 or so years. So no reason to really head that way. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when I when I first had my my first show experience there, the thing I turned to my brother and said was, you know, is the floor shaking? And he kind of looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" And it's just the way that building, the way that building moves, whether it's because it's old or it's just got that feel to it. And you look up at the writers and you see the, you know, as a sports fan and a music fan, you see, you know, the Billy Joel thing, the fish stuff up there, and you know, and you see all the the famous players, numbers retired, and the whole stadium you know at one point i was like i didn't take anything but i feel like i might have you know the whole place moves with the music and how the crowd moves like no other stadium and i found that after three nights of that i got used to it it really made for part of the experience and the music changes as the stadium kind of moves with it if that makes sense um if i could jump in real quick before i go you are correct about that the um the concert floor at Madison Square Garden is like on the fifth floor above the, all the parking, all that. It, it is a suspended floor, so it literally does move. So you are correct about that. And I do need to jump off. I'll just share one thing quickly before I do. And that is uh, in that interview with Trey in Rolling Stone, um, there's a little segment where um, Mike Gordon talks about how uh, he and Paige actually went to fairly well in Chicago, a show Larry and I were at the Grateful Dead's 50th reunion. And uh, I think it was Paige that said, boy, it's really funny, you know, watching Trey. He's actually really good up there. You know, they're so used to sitting beside him on the stage, but they very rarely actually get to see him play separately. So that was a very interesting comment. He said, yeah, this is really interesting down here on the floor, and people are leaving to go to the bathrooms and cheering and clapping. Very different experience for us who are always up on the stage. So with that, Larry, I'm going to let you wrap it up, and I'm going to jump on my next phone call. Okay, Jim, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, so uh, Seth, just one or two more quick questions here, and just because I could talk about this stuff all day. Um, I know during our pre-show you said that you, you were just a little too young to miss Jerry. Did you ever have a chance to get out and see Dead & Company or uh, Phil & Friends or any of the Dead group? Yeah, absolutely. So I've seen uh, Dead & Company with John Mayer a couple times at Fenway. And I'll tell you, the first time I, I went, I was skeptical. Uh, you know, I, I'd seen a lot of shows at Fenway, um, and a friend had a free ticket, so, you know, I'll go. So it was a 95-degree night, you know, one of those scorchers behind home plate uh, where we got into the stadium and uh, walked in and instantly was just brought into the music, and I was actually very impressed. Uh, I had never been a, a Mayor fan, and when he got going, I – he was hitting the notes well, and I, you know, couldn't wait for the second year to go back. It was, it was a blast. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed that experience. It was one of the better shows, and I wasn't anticipating it. You know, I never really was, you know, as I'm, I'm a younger guy to the dead generation. I, you know, just missed it, and you know, I was probably 12 or so when they, you know, kind of stopped and, and all of that. So for me, 
you know, I knew the songs and I knew the music, but I never really understood it. And being a Burlington guy, when I got introduced to everything, Fish always made more sense. But yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed the, the show in the summers. Um, on the Phil and Friends side, yeah, when I was in Burlington up in school, I did a lot of work in community service for different reasons, as we all when we're young. And, uh, and I donated a lot of time of mine to uh, the Memorial Auditorium up there. And I was lucky enough to, they were coming through town that summer uh, on tour. And I was lucky enough to be uh, doing setup in there when they got to do Mike check. And I, I saw some other cool shows that summer, Jackson Brown, um, taking it easy. was I think his big song. Uh, and then I saw some comedy acts and whatnot, but that experience with own friends in town and kind of an intimate setting with only like 50 people in the auditorium while, they were doing mic check and all that stuff was really, really cool for, at least for me as a, as a fan. Sure. You know, and that's, and that's really one of the nice things, you know, my kids are all, uh, you know, now uh, uh, getting hard into the dead and fish and all of that. And fish is fun because we're both kind of discovering them together. I just, I, you know, I was so heavy into the dead at the time. I just didn't have time to take on another jam band. Um, but yeah, it's fun to watch fish. It's fun to see all of them and, you know, just to have a chance to really, hear the music and, and see how, you know, it, it just, it defies generational lines and just keeps going on and on. Um, you know, I can say that as a deadhead, uh, clearly we all miss Jerry very much. And for some of us, it's, it's more of an issue than others, uh, you know, in terms of going to see these shows, but I would agree with you that after being at least initially, uh, skeptical of John Mayer, he's really proven himself over time, both in terms of his dedication to it and, uh, his, his craft that he really puts out there. And it's great to see. And, you know, for me, it's just nice because it keeps the, uh, it keeps the whole flow going. You same crowds and the same atmosphere and, and all of that. And, you know, do we miss Jerry? Yeah, we miss Jerry. You know, and I, I think I told my wife's, uh, cousin's daughter who lives out West and she and her husband are big, uh, fish fans. And they were asking me about it. And, you know, I, I, I use this line all the time. So people have already heard it. I apologize, but, uh, as great as it is and as fun as it is, you know, I just tell people, look, it just takes a certain amount of getting used to, and this is what I mean. Imagine, you know, you're a huge fish fan. Something happens to Trey, and they say, that's okay. We're going to bring in John Mayer to be the lead guitar player. And then they go on tour for three years with John Mayer playing Trey. I'm sure John Mayer can do a great job. He's shown himself to be an amazingly versatile guitarist. Um, and, you know, like he fills in for the dead very nicely, too. But he's not Jerry, and he's not Trey. So, you know, we do the best with what we have, and uh, quite frankly, just happy to be able to go out there and see live music and stuck at home like this really drives that point home even more yeah absolutely it'll be nice to be able to get out no matter what it is and, and you had the nail on the head i mean i grew up with a musician a natural musician in the house one of my brothers is an incredible you know whether you call him the savant or whatever you know he can hear a key and and from a different room and come in and touch the piano and never miss it and you know and he'll know you know get it every time so you know growing up with that and then seeing john mayer you know it's just he's a natural musician and and watching him do it you're like, oh, wow, it's impressive how quick, you know, let's say he's better than Jerry was because, like you said, it's part of the stage presence and, you know, who's what, what he was on that night or at that stage in his life or whatever was going on. But just from a musical standpoint, he's just, you know, naturally you can tell he, he's a born, born musician, but I couldn't agree more. I mean, just getting out of the house and being able to see some live music and, just hang out with the buds and then have a bud will be, will be a good day. That's for sure. Absolutely. You are right about that. Well, uh, Seth, we are getting towards the end of our time here. Uh, and you know, for Jim and I, this is always a problem because once we get started on a conversation like this, we can go all day and, 
half the time Dan has to jump in and tell us it's time to stop. So this time I'll 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 uh, I'll do his job for him. Um, but it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much. Uh, and you, you've given us information about how people can get in touch with the uh, Cannabis Creative Group, and hopefully you'll send us some information that we can post on our webpage. Uh, so that anybody who's interested in getting in touch with you will be able to do so. Yeah, that sounds great. I really appreciate the time today, guys, and uh, and everybody there for listening. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, like like you said there, CannabisCreative.com or CannabisCreativeGroup.com, you can get to us either way there, either of those URLs, and we'll get the information over to you so that it's all up there on the website. Maybe I'll try to pull some old testy photos if I can, and, uh, something from Watkins Glen or maybe from my Coventry days or who knows what I'll find, but uh, I'll see what I can share with you guys to get up on the website and some fun photos and whatnot. And uh, we'll go from there. Well, that would be great. Uh, Well, everybody, thank you for listening today. Our guest was Seth Warby of uh, Cannabis Creative Group. Uh, On behalf of my co-host, Jim Marty, uh, this is Larry Mishkin signing off, telling everyone to stay healthy and keep listening to that good music. Thanks all. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Chicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.